Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 803 with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And it is time for a fresh take. And later this morning, the county executive, Sam Page, and Mayor Leda Cruzen are going to talk about the relaxing of quarantines and staying at home orders and the start, just the start, of reopening our economy. How does this affect us from a sports standpoint? Well, it's important to know that A, we aren't going to be in the stands for baseball in 2020, and B, we still need to be cautious. And I know there's a lot of people that can't wait for the economy to be open and can't wait to be sitting next to somebody in stands. But this is still a virus that is affecting all of us. As a matter of fact, the state of Illinois had more cases yesterday than they've ever had before. It's We haven't apparently reached our peak yet. So while we do get back to at least having some restaurants that are open, some businesses that are open that haven't been open for the next couple of weeks. From a sports perspective, we need to be patient. And when baseball has some bumps in the road, and those are inevitable, we need to accept them. And any little bit of competition that we can get on TV, we have to accept and we can't be blasting Rob Manfred. We can't be blasting uh, the the ownership of Major League Baseball. They want to play as badly as we want to watch their players play. And all we need to do, Michelle, in my opinion, is just let it play out. We have to let things roll off our back and handle it. Yeah, we have to be flexible. We have to understand that it's not going to look or feel or sound the way that we're used to. And while I am pumped for there to be any sort or any semblance of baseball or hockey or actual professional sports competition happening, I think about the day when we are to a place with this virus where there's a vaccine, et cetera, when you have a packed Bush Stadium again. Can you imagine what that's going to be like be when you look down the road? I mean, it's already that way here in St. Louis, but when something that is so precious to you, something that was such a part of the fabric of us as going to a baseball game was taken away, I just Whenever I get frustrated or upset, sometimes I will think about what that day will be like, and I can't wait for it to happen. But until then, I'm going to take what I can get. Yesterday, the governor of Illinois, J.B. Pritzker, laid out a five-point plan to return Illinois to normal. But the last thing is one that we all have to take heed of. Until we have a vaccine or an effective treatment or enough widespread immunity that new cases fail to materialize, The option of returning to normalcy doesn't exist. And that's the way most rational leaders are acting. Uh, Not everybody is approaching things that way. uh, I'm not one that's going to trade, uh, and I don't want to get overly political here, but I'm not putting a price on lives. Sure. And I think that 
everybody is important to somebody else. So I would rather not take the chance of people dying because we're going to sporting events. Yeah, when we were talking to David Eckstein yesterday, and he was talking about how his family's immunocompromised and how they've been on severe lockdown. They haven't even been going to grocery stores and things like that, that they have one person designated in their family to do that. While you listening may be sitting there saying, we need to get back to normal, I'm healthy, et cetera. There are so many people out there who until, like Governor Pritzker said, there is a vaccine or there is, a, you know, we get to a state with this that there aren't that many people affected will be at risk. And so sometimes you have to not just think about yourself, but think about all those other people in our community that would be affected by this. And by the way, thanks to not only the heroes that are out on the front lines, the healthcare heroes that are working every day, but people at Pfizer who are developing and here in St. Louis manufacturing the possibility of a vaccine. It's pretty cool to have St. Louis kind of be at the epicenter of solving this problem. And apparently we have a chance to be. Think about how brilliant those people are, too. I mean, I can't even fathom how you would go about identifying this virus and coming up with a potential vaccine. The the fact that there are people out there that can do that and do that at such a rapid pace just astounds me. I still have no idea how radio works. Like, I talk into this (laughs) microphone and somebody that's driving down the road can hear me. So for somebody that can come up with a vaccine (laughs) and save millions of lives, that's just... That's otherworldly to me. That's like you—you you people are living in a different world than I am, and your intelligence level is at a different level than mine is. And you know the a way, way that, different level. What, same here. I mean, <laughs> if you ask me, how does what we say in this microphone get through? people's cars and through the radios. My answer is wires. I don't know. I mean, that's what it is. But the way that you and I, Randy, and so many people out there celebrate athletes and celebrate their accomplishments, when people are developing this vaccine, who all the people out there, the healthcare heroes, we, we need to continue to celebrate them and elevate them, put them on the pedestal that they deserve as well. Now, this morning... That's right. Yeah, round of applause for him. This morning, Ken Rosenthal has a piece up at The Athletic, and you can read it there, where he expresses pretty dramatic caution about baseball coming back. He does point out that the Indians had a Zoom meeting with their players and other people in the organization. About 70 people were on the meeting, and they laid out a early July return for baseball and a three-week spring training. Tim Kirkchen told us moment, uh, moments ago that he had heard the same thing from a reliable source. I heard from a source very close to the upper levels of Major League Baseball, that an announcement would come within the next 10 days. We said that yesterday. Tim Kirkchen had the exact same timeline. So it does seem like baseball, despite the caution that's being expressed in Ken Rosenthal's piece, it seems like baseball is putting together a plan to announce within the next couple of weeks where we would get back to baseball. And the key, as far as I'm concerned, is going to be able to get players tested. Or have players that, well, you have to make sure the players are tested and make sure, make sure that nobody is carrying that virus into a clubhouse. Right. We've seen a million situations. The, the Blues got knocked out of the playoffs in 2003 by Vancouver because they were just devastated by the flu that just went through the entire team. We've seen the Cardinals get sick come playoff time. So they just have to make sure that there isn't one guy in there that can make everybody else sick. Well, I mean, even something we just talked about last segment, how about Rudy Gobert? We've seen mm-hmm. it in real time here, how quickly other people around someone in, in the sports world or in a locker room could be affected if they do test positive for COVID. But I think 
Major League Baseball seems to be on the right path and the fact that they're saying, hey, we are going to hopefully announce something soon. But I think just like most things when it comes to this pandemic, they're going to have to roll with the punches. And what they announce, you know, perhaps in the next 10 days or so, could look and sound differently the next day based on how things are developing. And I think when a league does decide to open up, the fact that if they do take that flexible approach, that fluid approach, fans are going to fall in line. You know, they understand that these leagues have a lot of responsibility and liability, uh, putting their their players, front office people, whomever is deemed essential and is going out to play, they're putting them at risk and hopefully doing so in a responsible manner. But if they have to adjust things or or change something that they initially had said was going to happen, I think a lot of people will be understanding and, and just be pumped to get whatever form of baseball we get. Have you been out and about enough to see sports masks? A lot of people are wearing sports. I have a Cardinal, a couple of Cardinals, Joan made Cardinals and Blues masks that we have. But I see a lot of people wearing sports masks these days and they're being manufactured MLB properties must be thrilled because they're selling a lot of MLB logoed merchandise because people need masks and they want to express support for their team. Yeah, this the mask is a necessity, but it's also a fashion accessory, it Randy. Is. It's a yeah. chance for you to showcase a part of your personality, your allegiances, your loyalties to your team. And I think once sports starts coming around more, we will definitely see more sports masks out there. Yeah, and they're being manufactured by big companies. That's Sports is amazing. So we're glad you're with us for a sports show here on 101 ESPN. (laughs) Coming up, we are going to go to the Blues booth, and our buddy Darren Pang from FS Midwest will join us. he uh, I'll bet you he's going to be out on the golf course today. We'll ask him next on 101 ESPN. We have the fight coming up at 8.30 here on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy with you. And the formerly 4 o'clock fight is still here in Carriker and Smallman. We do it at 8.30 and we call it just the fight. And so far I like it. Different time slot, slightly different name, same level of competition. And you can text if you'd like to participate. Just the word fight to our Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. I'd love to have you uh, challenge me in the fight here on 101 ESPN. By the way, later in the show, we're going to also hear from our friend John Clayton, the professor from uh, Seattle. He is at the at one of the ESPN affiliates that we have in Seattle. Right now we head, though, to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our buddy Darren Pang joins us for the Blues booth here on 101 ESPN. Panger, great to have you with us. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well this morning. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's another one of those mornings. It does remind me a little bit of Groundhog Day, but uh, <laughs> but I... But uh, all in all, I think I'm doing pretty well. How about you guys? Everything's good. I, I told Michelle that this was a day that Panger would get out and play golf. Is it? Well, you're you're correct about that. <laughs> that. That's what that's what Groundhog Day seems to be right now. And uh, well, you know, we are we have been fortunate. I mean, I know there's a lot of people on the on the front lines, and you know, some people, you know, many people have been struggling for their health and whatever. And I don't mean to take this lightly, but um, you know, to have the opportunity for people to go for you know, whether it's their, their, whether they're walkers or whether they're hikers or whether they've got dogs, they want to walk dogs, but uh, to have the ability, and you know how much I love golf or anybody that, that loves to just go out and do something, whether it be tennis or golf or something to get their minds off of this, I've been very fortunate. So uh, lucky enough that, uh, uh, that our club has been open over at Meadowbrook and that, uh, you know, they're following all the rules and, and at least, at least day by day, we're able to get out there. So I am going to be out there this morning and, uh, um, and, and, Bang him around a little bit. 
Uh, Pamanger, speaking of doing things during quarantine to take your mind off what's happening, we read that Jordan Bennington actually took up guitar during this time. Have you taken up any new hobbies? We know you're golfing, but have you done anything different? No, I have not done anything different. Um, I've uh, I, not at all. I, I love music. Um, I wish I could t- pick up the guitar. I, I can't read a note to save my life, but uh, but I love music. I play music all the time. Um, but uh, so there's been there's been nothing new. Um, you know, I, I have a, a now actually she's six months old today. A granddaughter. Uh, and my daughter and her husband live here uh, in St. Louis, so we've been together this whole time because we were helping them out beforehand. And uh, and so, uh, you know, it's not a hobby, but boy, oh boy, has this been bringing back a lot of memories. Uh, just having a just this beautiful little baby around, and it just lights up our lives. So I think that's been something that's been uh, I, I, we've been very, very fortunate uh, that we've been around and able to help out a little bit. But it's just boy, just the. It's just been unbelievable seeing this little baby girl and, and being around her. Well, if you have a six-month-old baby around, you probably don't have time to take up a new hobby. But uh, speaking of Bennington and the guitar, we know Ryan O'Reilly is a noted guitar man. Do you think that we'll see the two of them jamming together maybe in the locker room now? Mm, that's a good question. Um, they both like to keep it rather quiet. Um, you know, you think that these guys have this all this, outer, not outer confidence, but, you know, because they're at the top of their profession, um, and they've got a lot of swagger. There's no question about that. But it's funny, even with Ryan O'Reilly, I was trying to get him to, to make up a song that I'd, I'd, I'd written a, a little bit of a jingle, uh, but one of his teammates last year, and, and he thought it was terrific. And I said, well, let's get a song going here. And, and still, he doesn't cut, you know, he kind of likes to do things on his own a little bit. Um, but it's great that Bennington has, uh, has done that. Um, you're going to see a release coming out from the St. Louis Blues, uh, dot, uh, com, which is... Uh, um, you know, all the media stuff uh, comes out of Blue Note Productions, and I actually did one of those um, zooms with uh, with uh, Jake Allen and Jordan Binnington, and we had a surprise guest, um, and, and he's another former Blues goaltender. He came and joined us, but I did learn that Jake Allen um, surprised his his, uh, his his daughter for her birthday um, that they were going to uh, have chicks in their. Uh, little chickens in their um, uh, backyard in um, New Brunswick. So, you know, we were kind of getting on Bennington about maybe going out there and helping out a little bit with that. But uh, I think you're finding a lot of guys are are, are doing whatever it takes to, to not pass the time, but to, you know, something fresh and something new and something to keep the kids entertained. And, and so I think all these guys are doing a pretty good job at this time. And that goalie chat is up now at stlblues.com, so you can check that out. Panger, you played goalie, so you can answer this question. When they get back to the ice, and obviously nobody's been on the ice, nobody's been able to practice, but is it pretty easy for a goalie to get back into rhythm? Uh, you know, is it easy? Um, yeah, there are some aspects of it, um, Randy, that are that are – you know, that are easy. Um, let's face it, if you're a good angle goaltender, it's easy to go back into the net and, and find your angles again. If, I think the toughest part is if you're, if you're you know, a reflex style of goaltender or, or you're relying on, on, on quickness and, and athletic ability, um, then, you know, just jumping in like that, you, you know, it, first of all, it hurts your quads, your hamstrings, <laughs> you know, your joints, um, because it's different. And the other part about it that's, that's different is, um, the concentration, um, you know, when you're at the height of it, I mean, honest to goodness, you, you can, you can spot an ant from, you know, half a mile away. It seems like you're just, 
you know, your eye, your eyes are so good and your concentration so good and you can just see everything. And then, you know, you take a little bit of time off and, you you know, you're just not focused on anything. You're not concentrating on anything. So I think that's a tough part of the first part. I'm talking about, you know, the first probably week of practice. Uh, a lot of it, concentration has a lot to do with it. Um, you know, then you get into some conditioning and then you get into some battle drills like screens in front and tip-ins and jam plays and, you know, shots from the point that get tipped in and, and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, but, but, you know, I, I'd have to think after three weeks of getting going again that uh, these guys will be right back into pretty good shape for that. Uh, one more goaltending question for you, Panger. Yesterday, Randy and I were speaking with David Eckstein, and we were talking about what it would be like for players to play without fans in the stands and how that would affect them and potentially their success on the ice or on the field. And he said that he always fed off the fan energy, and more importantly, the buzz from the fans kind of drowned out the noise in your head, and that without them, it might be um, players might be more susceptible to get in their heads and overthink things. And the first person I thought of was Jordan Bennington, who's a guy that never is nervous and doesn't seem phased by anything. So I would think the Blues are in a pretty good spot with Jordan Bennington between the pipes, uh, mentally being able to adapt to all of these changes around him. Yeah, I think all athletes have, a, have probably a different perspective of this. I, I mean, you know, Jordan Bennington played in the minors for, shoot, four and a half years. Um, you know, Jake Allen played in the minors for four and a half years. There's, I played in the minors for three three years. There's there's a lot of moments when you're in the minors where there's not very many people out there watching <laughs> you, and so you know it's not like you rely on fans to to get to the uh, you know to, to the NHL or you, to, to to play your best. I mean, I played some great hockey with playing in front of probably a couple of, couple hundred people in Saginaw, Michigan. You know, but but I do believe it when you get to this level and the building's so big. Um, Listen, they're, they're, they're athletes of ego, uh, and, and when you make a good save and you hear that crowd, boy, oh boy, I, I'm not going to exaggerate just how much it just pumps you up. You know, you get in a fight and you listen to that crowd, or you make a big hit or a big shot blocker, something like that, and you go to the bench, and boy, you can just hear that crowd, and it's, it, just, it, does, it does give you another level of energy. There is no denying that, and that part of it is going to be extremely weird. Um, you know, so, but the other part of it is, I, I, I try to go through all facets of it. The Blues last year, when they were winning, what did they do best? They went into the opposition arena, game five in Winnipeg, and they shut down that crowd. Mm-hmm. There was no noise there because I was there between the benches, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and game, you know, there's so game six in, 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 in Dallas or you know, like what, whatever games there were where they went on the road and they just took the crowd right away and it was a quiet building, they didn't play bad then. <laughs> they played great hockey. So I, I think you can still find your game regardless of the noise. In all of your years, Darren Pang, working between the benches when we do have crowds, do you have a memorable fan interaction? Oh, I've got a million of them. <laughs> I, I, I honest to God, I, I honest to say, I, I do. I just... It's, it's one of the great things in my job, Randy. I, I, uh, and for now, I'm going to really miss it. I go, you know, from our little studio for Fox Sports Midwest right by the locker room, and, and, you know, I get to the rink at about 4.45, and you, I go back and forth between the benches to fix something, or maybe we have to do a, a rehearsal or look at something on tape, so that's where all my stuff is between the benches. And, you know, there's kids there, and I high-five them. I get them pucks. I, you know, I... As Joe Vitale says, you take more pictures with pictures with babies, and and you know, and I love that aspect of it. I always have, um, um, and so I'm 
going to miss that, Randy. I'll be honest with you. So I can't remember, you know, one particular thing, but I, I rem- geez, I just, I just, uh, I know I'm going to miss that at the very beginning until we get back to normalcy, and uh, and that's that's going to be tough for everybody, I'm sure. I'm a hugger. I'm a hugger. Yeah. I'm a handshaker, and you know, I'm a high five kind of guy. And so, uh, so it's it's going to be a little bit different just kind of pulling back for a little bit yeah well we can't wait to get back there and have normalcy like you said darren pang always good to hear your voice thanks so much hit him well today congratulations on the uh, the birthday of the baby the six-month <laughs> birthday and uh, we'll talk to you soon sounds great guys enjoy the visit again this morning thanks appreciate it see you later that's the great darren pang with us on 101 espn there's not a happier more friendly person that you'll ever meet than panger Absolutely. And he's right. That's something that someone like him is really going to have to adjust to. He's a hugger, mm-hmm. high-fiver. I'm the same way. I know you're the same way. Mm-hmm. It's something that you have to retrain your brain to not do, especially when people come up to you. I'm, I'm sure people are always coming up to Panger, even now, wanting to say a hello, and he wants to high-five them and whatnot. But it's just our new reality. It sure is. We will have the fight. Michelle and Freeze Pops will ask the questions, and uh, hopefully, well, we will have a winner. Hopefully, from my perspective, the winner is me. <laughs> Next on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Kara Kern Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 832, which means it's time for the fight. For those who aren't aware, since Randy moved from the fast lane to Kara Kern Smallman here on Morning Drive, he took what was the 4 o'clock fight with him, and we're going to be doing it at 830 every day. But before we get into the fight today, let's welcome in Freeze Pops so he can let our fighter know what he's competing for. What's up, Freeze Pops? What's up, Michelle? Bobby is going to be competing for a gift card to Randy Carricker's local restaurant pick of the week. That's Bandana's Barbecue. Bandana's Barbecue is offering online ordering and open every day from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. for catering, curbside pickup, delivery from DoorDash, and offering a special family-style feasts menu. We also have a chance to score a gift card all week on the 101 ESPN app. For everyone not playing in the fight today, enter the code word RANDY for your chance at a Bandana's Barbecue gift card. Uh, Freeze, you didn't want to spell Randy today like you did yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, I figured people would get it, but let's try again. R-A-N-D-Y. Randy. Got to help the people out, Tom. People helping people, it's powerful stuff. All right, well, let's welcome in Bobby, our fighter today. Bobby, what's up? How are you doing today? Hey, doing pretty good, guys. How are you? Doing well. You ready to take on Randy? I hope so. All right. Well, he's 2-0 and this week. Let's see if you can knock him off. I guess this is this is his new streak. We should probably keep track of this in the new show. So Randy's 2-0. and Hopefully Bobby can stop him in his tracks. All right, Bobby, question number one. Former Blues coach, excuse me, let me start that again. Former Blues coach Scotty Bowman is the NHL all-time wins leader at 1,244 wins. Which NHL team did Bowman last coach for? Was it Montreal, Detroit, or Buffalo? Uh, Let's go with Buffalo. On this day in 1998, Cubs pitcher Kerry Wood tied Roger Clemens' record for strikeouts in a single game in one start against the Astros at Wrigley Field. How many strikeouts did Kerry Wood have? Was it A, 20, B, 21, or C, 25? Uh, Let's go with A. Question number three, Bobby. Which Cardinals pitcher holds the team record for strikeouts in a single game with 19? Was it Steve Carlton, Chris Carpenter, or Bob Gibson? I got to go with Gibson. 
Happy birthday to Oklahoma City Thunder point guard Chris Paul, who turns 35 today. Which college team did the future Hall of Famer play for? Was it A, UCLA, B, North Carolina, or C, Wake Forest? Uh, C, Wake Forest. All right. Bobby has completed. Let's get Randy in. He's in the hallway. I don't know if he can see us. See, this is kind of the, the problem that we have here is no <laughs> one is here in the studio other than Colin, Randy, and I. There's no one in the office. So normally we have somebody track Randy down, but uh, we're kind of short on bodies here. So it's a little difficult. But Randy is in studio. Randy, where do you go during this? Because it seems like every day we're looking for you or we don't have anyone available in, to track you down. Yeah, I'm just out in the hallway so that I can be quar- uh, quarantined, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've been used to being quarantined during the fight yeah. every day. Well, Randy, say hello to Bobby, your competition for today. Bobby, good to have you with us. How are you doing? Doing well, Randy. Thank you. Thanks for listening, and thanks for playing. All right, Randy. Absolutely. Question number one for you. Former Blues coach Scotty Bowman is the NHL all-time wins leader at 1,244 wins. Which NHL team did Bowman last coach for? Um, the F and Red Wings. <laughs> On this day in 1998, Cubs pitcher Kerry Wood tied Roger Clemens' record for strikeouts in a single game in a start against the Houston Astros at Wrigley Field. How many strikeouts did Kerry Wood have in that start? That was 88, right? Did you say 88? 1988? In 1998, Kerry Wood. Okay, 1998. I think that was his rookie year. And he had 20 strikeouts. And that's a total that has never been eclipsed. Tied, but never been eclipsed. Question number three, Randy. Which Cardinals pitcher holds the team record for strikeouts in a single game with 19? He lost the game. (laughs) Against the Mets, it was Steve Carlton, lefty. 19 strikeouts in a game and he lost. I think he allowed two home runs to Ron Swoboda, maybe. Lost it. Happy birthday to OKC Thunder point guard Chris Paul, who turns 35 today. Which college team did the future Hall of Famer play for? Chris Paul, for his year in college, was a demon deacon at Wake Forest. We have a winner. Sorry, Bobby. Randy took you down. Another clean sweep today. He beat you 4-2. to two. Let's go through the answers here. Scotty Bowman, the NHL all-time wins leader, 1,244 wins. The last team he did coach for was, Randy, the hated Red Wings. By the way, the top four winning coaches in the history of the league, Scotty Bowman, Joel Quenville, Al Arbor, and Ken Hitchcock. What do they all have in common? They once coached for the St. Louis Blues. Yes, they did. For your St. Louis Blues. <laughs> um, on this day in 1998, Kerry Wood tied Roger Clemens' records for strikeouts in a single game. How many strikeouts did he have? The answer was 20. Uh, which Cardinals pitcher holds the team record for strikeouts in a single game with 19? That was Steve Carlton. And I got to say, a little tricky by Freeze Pups here because uh, when we presented Bobby with the options, Bob Gibson is on that list. And I just think a lot of people would just assume that Bob Gibson would be the answer, mm-hmm. right? And think about Bob Gibson striking out 17 in a World Series game. Unbelievable. Yeah, you're going against the best of the best. You're going against the 1998 Astros there. Right. And uh, that's pretty impressive. And shout out to Chris Paul. It's his 35th birthday today. And he did play his college ball at Wake Forest. As did Tim Duncan. And Tim Duncan beat St. Louis University in uh, 19... That was 1998 also. Wow. How about that? So thank you, Bobby, and uh, good to have you with us. And we will have the fight every day here at 8.30 on uh, the Carriker and Smallman Show on 101 ESPN. And this has been fun. Freeze Pops is doing a good job. I used to yell at meat. <laughs> 
So because he would mess up freeze pops, you're on a roll here. I'm proud of you. All right. And, I'm worried that I'm going a little too easy on your end. Well, Michelle, uh, and uh, I have a pretty good memory, but I, I think you laid it out perfectly. It's got to be tough enough for me, but the listener still has to be able to answer it. Mm-hmm. And it's a tough line to find at times, I think. Yeah, it's incredibly tough, Randy, because you remember every detail about every athletic event you've ever watched in your life or listened to. I mean, you can recall details and memories unlike anyone I've ever met, hence your nickname Megamind. But yeah, it's really difficult for for the producer to come up with a question that the casual sports fan who is, especially now in the morning, getting ready for work, doing a lot of things, maybe a little bit distracted, uh, listening to a question over the phone for mm-hmm. the first time could get correct. And then going against you, who remembers every detail of everything. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> Sorry about that, Freeze Pop. Sorry to put that kind of pressure on you. Uh, you know, I'll get there one day. I, I, I do apologize a little bit to Bobby for putting Bob Gibson in there as an option, because that, oh, no, that had to. to throw him off. You oh. hear Bob Gibson, you're going to pick that, right? Yeah, I'm just going to choose Bob Gibson. That's just that, me. That's going to be the default. Like, if I get asked a uh, who scored most points I'm, my default is going to be in hockey. It's going to be Gretzky. Yeah, of course. At times, you just have to go with the default. And sometimes in basketball, in the playoffs, it's either going to be Michael or LeBron. And it basically, it becomes a coin flip at that point. So a lot of this stuff, if you're a fan, is that you, you, you just take the shot, A, B, or C. And you know what? I think you feel pretty good about yourself if you shoot the shot and you pick Bob Gibson. And it's not oh. Bob Gibson. At least you <laughs> deduce probably yeah. correctly. Hey, we want to hear from you about the possibility of Albert Pujols coming back. This is something that was broached by Ben Fredrickson over at STLtoday.com and the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Dan McLaughlin. Talked about it on our show and his show yesterday. And by the way, Danny's coming your way at 10 with Scoops with Danny Mac. But we want you to use that Rhino Shield mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app. Should the Cardinals bring Albert back as their DH in 2022? He would be 42 years old. Would you like to see Albert Pujols one more year in a Cardinal uniform after his Angels contract is up? You can send us a text with the Air Comfort Service text line 65780, and we'd love to hear from you with the mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app. And we'll talk about it with you about Albert coming back as a member of the Cardinals for one more year next on 101 ESPN. Hey, download the free 101 ESPN app and use the mic drop feature. We accept your mic drops throughout the show, throughout the day here on 101 ESPN. And we want to hear from you about your thoughts about the Cardinals perhaps bringing back Albert Pools for one more year in 2022. His contract with the Angels will be up after the 2021 season. He'll be 42 years old. He is iconic and will probably have the DH in the National League by the time Albert Pujols becomes a free agent. So we asked ESPN.com's Tim Kirkchen about that prospect earlier today. At the moment, I would say no, but is it out of the question? Absolutely not. Albert loved it in St. Louis, as he should have, and Cardinal fans and the Cardinals love Albert, as they should have. Anything is possible in baseball. I think it would be a a beautiful end to his career because his first 10 seasons in St. Louis, first 10 full seasons, were arguably the best first 10 seasons anyone's ever had. It would be very fitting since he won two World Series there to come back. But I'm not going there yet. I got to see where the DH is. I got to see where baseball is (laughs) after 2021. And I don't think anyone even knows the answer to that. 
And we have to see where Albert is. Does Albert still want to play when he reaches that point? Yeah, there's a lot of questions and a lot of things that would need to happen for this to become a reality. And my first inclination is to say yes. I think it would be a beautiful ending to his baseball story, considering everything that he did in St. Louis and the relationship between Cardinals fans and Albert Pujols. But as we've talked through this a little bit more, I do have one question that keeps popping into my head. And Albert was the guy here. He was the mang. He was the undisputed leader and star of this team. If he comes back at 42, what does that do for the power structure of a clubhouse? I know Albert is a gracious guy and would respect people like Paul Goldschmidt who have assumed that leader role, certainly if Yachty was around, defer to Yachty in a way, but you have to think about guys who have climbed the ladder and what the hierarchy would look like Mm -hmm. here in St. Louis, and to have a guy like Albert come in who was the guy and who is so respected and who it's not like he's going to another team and can just be there and provide wisdom when needed. I mean, he is Albert pool holes and as a guy that would have a statue outside Bush Stadium. So I wonder what that power dynamic would look like between not only how he would fit into it in the clubhouse, but how he would kind of maybe have to defer to other people. And he would not know anybody from when he was here before. There wouldn't there wouldn't be a single person because we assume that Yachty and Wayno will be mm-hmm. gone. There won't be a single person around from when he was here before. Now could he lend, as you mentioned, some Leadership and wisdom to guys like Carlson and Gorman. Yes, that'd be great. But you're right. Is it worth it for a guy who was here and was basically in charge? If he wanted to run through the third base coach, he could. Is that an easy thing to come to grips with at that age? Is he going to even be able to run? through a sign at third base. That's a good question. <laughs> but, you know, when you talk about his relationship with Mike Trout, Mike Trout always talks about him as a mentor, and mm-hmm. that relationship was established right when Albert was there because Albert was a superstar coming in and Trout was the player coming up. That's completely different than you coming in to your former team when those power dynamics have already been established. That's a great point. And there will be kids in 2022 that might get drafted in 2020 that will come up that don't remember Albert Pujols being great. Which is crazy. Yeah. It is Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We, were you close there? Yeah. <laughs> Just saying the fast lane. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. I mean, and if so, that would have been your first time all week, but I could tell you were close. Hey, we love to hear from you, and uh, we're thrilled to hear from Joshua here on 101 ESPN. Okay, so hypothetically, if Pujols were to return, I liken it unto the prodigal son. I mean, I think most fans would rejoice, but there's always the select few that will meet it with reserve. I mean, even I, uh, I'm on the fence on that one. I appreciate DeWitt's pragmatic approach in almost all other aspects, so I'd hope that he wouldn't be any different in a situation involving one of the greatest former Cardinals ever to live. I actually think that Bill DeWitt is more the emotional driver here than Mo. When the Cardinals made the offer to Albert, the $210 million offer, in the press conference after he took the Angels offer, Mo said that he wasn't comfortable with the offer that the Cardinals had made. That was an offer that Mr. DeWitt had made. I really do think that Mr. DeWitt is more driven by emotion. He's more of a fan than a cold, analytical observer. And I think Mo is probably more analytical in in that regard Mm -hmm. and, and keeping the emotion out of it. Uh, so if I'm reading between the lines, DeWitt takes more of a, this is our family. We know what Albert has meant mm-hmm. to the organization type approach. Whereas, yeah, if I'm John Mozeliak and 
my job is to make sure to manage the numbers and the talent accordingly. And I'm looking at all of these long-term deals when the second half of people's careers do not match what their paycheck matches. Yeah, I wouldn't be very comfortable with that either because it's my job that's on the line if we make this deal, even if it's your emotional instincts that want to keep Albert around. Yeah, it's you're not going to lose potentially lose your job. It's going to be me. And regardless of what that contract is, Moselleck's still going to have a budget that he gets to build his team right. within, and that budget's going to include that salary that the, the guy signed for. That's why I understand a lot of people out there still feel a certain type of way about Albert choosing to leave the Cardinals, and I understand that, especially in that moment. That really stung. He was so beloved. He was the guy. I mean, he was the mang, as we said. But I think time kind of heals all wounds, and looking back on that, knowing the what he would have cost, how it would have shaped the future of of the team and what the production would have been, I th- I think a lot of people were able to look back down that path and say he did the Cardinals a favor, and I think that healed a lot of that that bitterness and that anger. From the three one four, what about Albert's ten year ambassador agreement with the Angels? That's for after he retires from baseball, not when he's done with the Angels contract. So that contract, the personal services deal, would kick in, will kick in when he retires from baseball. Uh, this one from the 847. When you consider the poor spending decisions on players who have made marginal contributions and in some cases no contribution, I would much rather see. Uh, hold on here. This thing's going so fast now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would much rather see AP5. Go cards. And. Uh, He's certainly going to be somebody to cheer for. There's no doubt about that. So if you're going to compare it to a contract, well, let's compare it to the Matt Carpenter extension. Could Albert Pujols in a year be any different or any worse than what Matt Carpenter was last year? Probably not. Probably not. But I think it's a little different when you're bringing someone back in a role that, I mean, yes, you are meant to produce in every role that you have on a baseball mm-hmm. team, but specifically to produce offensively. And this is supposed to be your nostalgia run, your farewell tour. And I just think the novelty of that can run off pretty quickly if he's not producing. Here's Katie with a mic drop on 101 ESPN. Um, yes, we should definitely bring Albert back, especially after seeing how magical his return was last summer. It would be incredible to have him back in a Cardinals uniform, seeing him breaking some records. Um, all's well that ends well. That's the key. Is it going to end well? It'll all be well if it ends well. But if he does have that year where he hits 203 and hits 12 home runs and has an OPS of 570, are Cardinal fans going to be on board with that, with a, a non well, relatively speaking, non-productive player? Probably not. You know, my first inclinic, inclination was at the beginning of the week on Monday, we watched MLB Network have an entire day dedicated to all the magical mm-hmm. moments that Albert had, has had so far in his career. And when we talked to Tony Larusa, he said, and they left out so many because he just was that, was and is that type of player that whenever he got in the box, you expected that he would do something great. And I think that would be something that Cardinals fans would have to really adjust to, that he's not that same threat, and that when he gets in the batter's box, we would still expect him to be the Albert that we're used to, and the reality would not match the expectation. Now, here's a great take. He says, hot take from the 314. I'm willing to sacrifice missing the playoffs for a year to witness Pujols hitting number 700 in a Cardinal uniform. Really? 
I'm not. It'd be interesting. I'm not. <laughs> Give me the postseason. It, it'd be different if there weren't already three guys that had hit 700. Yeah, I just am more of a, a team success person mm-hmm. rather than an individual accolades type person. And while it would be very special for us to have that moment here in St. Louis with Albert in a Cardinals uniform, you know, we we earlier in the show talked about where recent modern-day Cardinals teams ranked on the all-time World Series mm-hmm. champions list. And the two that are on there, 2006-2011, are teams that were counted out and and teams that just got into the postseason and made magic happen. So from where I sit as a Cardinals fan, all I care about is getting into the postseason because I know, <laughs> based on what I have seen, that all you have to do is get into the dance and something can happen. So, yeah, over one home run that has a historic significance, I'm going to take – the playoffs and a potential World Series title. If nobody, if he had a chance to break the all-time record, I'd feel differently, because one of the cool moments for me was when McGuire hit number sixty-two. Mm-hmm. But because that would, it's just a number now. It's not a record if he gets to seven hundred. So I'm with you in that regard. Let's hear from Chad. Guys, I love Albert, but this would be a hundred percent an emotional decision. Look at his WAR for the last three years. He's just not that good of a ball player anymore. I think he'd be taking the place of somebody else who would help us win more. Chad, that's, uh, I think, what Michelle and I think, too, is that uh, it, it can't, if you sign a 42-year-old, 42-year-old player, it can't end well. It just can't. It, he's not going to hit 300 with 30 homers and 100 RBIs, and there's going to be a more productive, younger player available to the Cardinals at that point. Unless this reunion sparks something in him and gives him, yes, I know, it's (laughs) highly unlikely, but, you know, we have a text from the 618 that says, don't forget Lance Berkman. Everybody thought he was done, but coming to the Cardinals lit a fire in him. I know different player, different Mm -hmm. time. Different age. Different age. But, you know, the great ones sometimes summon greatness in them for one last dance. If we could bring him back for a week. (laughs) Maybe a month? (laughs) Think about it. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up next here on 101 ESPN, we've got today's big thing. Is baseball coming back or not?